Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we'll share weekly messages as well as other resources we hope helps you as you seek to grow and know Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can connect with us, visit bcwc.org. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Evan, the senior pastor here. And welcome for those in person. Welcome to those watching online as well. Thank you for engaging in worship this morning. And as has been mentioned this morning, today we begin this series where we'll be talking about prayer. So I want you to think about what prayer means for you. What comes to mind when you think of the word pray? What's your earliest, earliest memory of prayer? Was prayer something that you've admired? Has it been something that's made you frustrated? Is it something that points to a, a significant moment in your life? So we're going to do an exercise together. If you don't mind, if you could close your eyes and just think about what comes to mind when you think about prayer. Perhaps you imagine someone whose life was marked by prayer that impacted your life. A family member maybe who wore out a spot in a chair from hours of prayer. Maybe you saw how prayer shaped that person's life and you admired it. Perhaps you think of a time where prayer has made you frustrated. Frustrated because maybe it felt unhelpful or difficult or unnatural. Perhaps it frustrates you as you watch people talk a lot about praying but not doing anything, especially those who have the ability to make an impact for people who've been victimized by hate, or violence, disaster, or poverty. You may be frustrated with people who talk of thoughts and prayers but have no action and you've made you want to give up prayer altogether. Perhaps as you think about prayer, you think about a time in your life when prayer had an impactful moment on you. Maybe a specific prayer you prayed, a specific moment, maybe with someone who was hurting, maybe with a child. Maybe you think of a time when prayer was a lifeline, a glimpse of the divine, a moment of deep power and closeness with God. You can open your eyes. We all have a history, we have thoughts, we have questions, we have memories when it comes to prayer. And while participation in organized religion declines all around us, prayer has not become less popular at all. In fact, since and during the COVID-19 pandemic, there was an increase in people's interest and practice of prayer. And according to Barna Research, 94% of Americans say they have prayed at least once in the last three months. Pew Research found that 55% of Americans say they pray daily, which is significantly more than the 36 who attend religious services weekly. We're people who pray. It may only happen for some of us in crisis or in traffic or around meals, but prayer really is part of the human experience, has been throughout history. People pray. My earliest memory, like earliest, earliest memory at all, is from prayer. 
It wasn't a good moment of prayer. It was a prayer of fear. I think I had misheard something on my grandfather's talk radio or misunderstood something at church, and I was afraid that God was going to reject me or zap me, and I remember praying desperately. Now we can talk about what's underneath that that makes that my earliest memory, but that's for my therapist. We, we don't have to worry about that. But we have these different experiences with prayer, don't we? As Liz was sharing with me about uh, her children's message and her experience with prayer, I'm so grateful. She was able to say, yeah, sometimes prayer is difficult for me. And we've been talking about that as she prepares for her baptism on Palm Sunday. It's a question a lot of us have. How do we pray? What do we do with prayer? Sometimes prayer feels like a duty, a thing we have to do. Sometimes we pray because we're afraid, like I did as a child, that God will zap me otherwise. Prayer can be boring, distracting. I believe that the smartphone is the enemy of prayer, right? I'm convinced that we are scrolling ourselves to death with no clue how to slow down, be still, and pray. We might, as the spiritual formation writer Robert Mulholland say, just kind of spend our time worrying in God's general direction. That feels like prayer. Is that helpful? Does it bring us peace, transformation, action? I want more. So we begin this series in our time of Lent on prayer. And each week we're going to be looking at prayer and kind of deepening our relationship with prayer and how we practice it. Because prayer can be something that we, we do, something we can work on. It's okay if it's scary or uncomfortable or not something we've done very much. If you are a prayer veteran, fantastic. Keep going. Use these weeks to continue to deepen your prayer for your church and with your church grow and your connection to the Lord. If you are a prayer rookie, fantastic. This is a great place to start. So we're going to be looking at some different paths as we walk through this idea of practicing prayer um, as we head towards Easter. This week we're talking about talking to God, specifically using prayers that have been given to us, kind of pre-made prayers. Next week we'll be talking about talking with God as we kind of explore our own prayers and the words that we come and bring before the Lord. We're going to take a break for a guest preacher, and then the next week we'll talk about listening. Finally, on Palm Sunday, we'll talk about being with God in prayer. And I want to point out that on March 17th, we're also going to have a little pop-up, one-time life groom work workshop after brunch where we're going to do some hands-on, practical prayer work, and I'd love to have you be a part of that. See, humanity has always prayed. We, we want to pray. We wonder about pray, prayer. We, we try to pray. We have feelings about prayer. If only someone would teach us how to pray. And that's exactly what the disciples are looking for in our text today. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the text says this, He, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, may your name be revered as holy. 
May your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. The Gospel of Luke shows us again and again how much prayer was part of Jesus' life. Jesus is regularly sneaking away, getting up early, drawing himself back to pray. Jesus understood the value, the power of prayer in his own life. And one of the disciples, admiring Jesus' habits, asks her some tips. Jesus, can you give us a workshop here? John taught his disciples something about prayer. Teach us. And Jesus does. He responds. And responds in a way that I find surprising. Because Jesus hands them a prayer. Jesus starts praying. It's what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Catholic siblings often call our Father. It's a model prayer that we can actually pray. Jesus gives us a resource. A guidebook. My oldest daughter is in kindergarten, and they have these sheets that they bring home with numbers and letters as they're learning their letters and their numbers, and they have these dotted lines of all the letters and the numbers that they practice tracing until they get good enough to write their letters on their own. It almost feels as the disciple says, Jesus, how do we pray? Jesus is handing this kind of dotted line sheet. Here is a great prayer for you to pray. Now, nobody actually prays Luke's version of the prayer generally. This one um, feels a little bit awkward for us. It's unlike the prayers that we're used to when we do the Lord's Prayer. It's the shortest, the least poetic of all in the Gospels. Traditionally, we pray a version of it that takes all of the versions and kind of works them together to have a little bit more clear structure. But it's all the same basic prayer. Jesus gives the disciples a prayer. See, the point of prayer is not about coming up with the perfect words that unlock some special connection to God and then God will do whatever you ask for. It's not magic words. Prayer's a path. See, the goal of prayer is not just prayer. It's to connect with God. For our lives to be transformed, to us become more and more like Jesus. The disciples want to know about prayer from Jesus because they want to be like Jesus. And prayer is the road we take to get there. Why not walk on the roads that so many have found to be helpful? Use prayers that people have prayed before. Jesus gives us a path to walk, a line to trace. And so as we think about talking to God, we're starting with these pre-written prayers Specifically, the Lord's Prayer. Now, some argue this is a prayer that we should just pray, take the words and use them. Others say it's an example that we learn from and build our prayers upon. It is, yes, both of those things. Now, for some of us, we maybe grew up in an environment where where pre-written prayers, they didn't really count. (laughs) You maybe grew up being taught that you should be suspicious of things that have been already put together. It might not be super authentic. Perhaps the Holy Spirit only works in the moment. Exactly of what's coming out of your head. That prayer might be less meaningful if it comes from a script. And certainly we should use our own words and our emotions and our own language in our prayer life. But there is such value in praying the words of the church. 
Words that have been worn and tested and carried. We do this with songs, right? We sing these songs again and again and grab on to their meaning. Pray them. Why not turn to Jesus' prayer? Find direct language from the expert. There's power. Authenticity even in pre-made prayers. I do a lot of weddings. And when I do weddings, often couples ask to write their own vows. And I don't have a problem with couples writing their own vows. Often they are beautiful. Sometimes they are not. I've, I've seen some things. But I always insist, whether you write your own vows or not, let's do the traditional vows too, okay? Because those words, they're not from Scripture. They're just things we've found to be helpful, to have and to hold. Richer, poor, sickness, and hell. Those things are tried and true and tested, and when you're writing that flowery vow that you're thinking in this beautiful moment of your wedding, you're probably not thinking about those days when you're poorer, those days when you're sick, those days when love is hard. So I like to encourage, insist that we use those vows too. And they don't become less meaningful because other people have said them before, No, instead, these are these powerful words that we can step into to express our commitment, that we can apply to our own moment, our own relationship, our own union. They invite us to something bigger than ourselves. Such it is with prayers like this. We can take the words that have served others, that have shaped others, and apply them to ourselves. Personally, when prayer is particularly difficult, These prayers are the most meaningful to me. Prayers of saints who've gone before, prayers from the Scripture like the Psalms or the Lord's Prayer help me enter into a place of connection in prayer when I don't have words to pray. The disciples saw in Jesus a calm presence. They were committed to His deep vision and deep empathy and they wanted to be like Jesus And Jesus was always going off to pray. Perhaps that's the secret sauce they must have imagined. And Jesus says, sure, let's practice prayer. Prayer can be practiced. Even when we don't feel like it, even when we don't know how to do it, we can just try. (laughs) Prayer is a discipline, something we can choose, that we can do As we get later in this series, we'll talk about it becoming more of our life all the time, like breathing, something we just automatically do, but you can also pay attention to your breathing. (laughs) Prayer is something that can stretch us, change us, deepen us. By praying, we can learn to pray. Brian McLaren says of faith that we make the way by walking. Richard Foster says, by praying, we learn to pray Thomas Burton said, if you want a life of prayer, the way to get it is by praying. Like a runner trains their body to run a race, we can train our bodies to pray. So Jesus gives this Lord's Prayer to help us. To be a resource, to something we can use when we're running out of energy, when we don't know what to say, to begin or end or fill or be in our day. Ronald Rollheiser says, what clear, simple, and brief rituals like prayer like this provide us with is 
Precisely prayer that depends on something beyond our own energy. The rituals carry us. Our tiredness, our lack of energy, our inattentiveness, our indifference, even our occasional distaste. They keep us praying when we're too tired to muster up our own energy. Is anybody ever too tired to muster up their own energy? So let's look at the prayer. This prayer has been called by scholar John Dominic Crossan, a radical manifesto and a hymn of hope for all humanity. That's just cool. <laughs> Father, may your name be revered as holy. Jesus begins immediately with this expression, Father. And in the original language, we know it means Abba. That is this intimate expression for a child, for their father. And there's no other examples of people using this kind of language for God. It's pretty radical what Jesus is doing. People probably were clutching their pearls if they had any pearls to clutch. You called God what? <laughs> but, but Jesus wants to stretch and, and challenge them to see how familiar God is to us. That we can use parental language. Papa, Mama, Dad, this is the sense of the closeness to God here. Now, you may have complicated relationships with your earthly parents. You may have qualms with using masculine images for God at all. I hear you. I share some of that. But the point here is not about the human idea of Father. The point here is the closeness and care that we can approach the God of the universe with, that God is good and cares and delights for God's children in much the same way a father or mother cares and delights in their infant child. Father. One who knows us, loves us, and invites us to be our full self. But at the same time, we appreciate the holiness of God. The beauty of God. Some translations say, hallowed, we learned that means holy from our children today. They've got it. It means that God is right and radiant, beauty and truth. I love how scholar N.T. Wright explains and describes and states this line. May you be worshipped by your whole creation, Lord. May the whole cosmos resound with your praise. May the whole world be freed from injustice, disfigurement, sin, and death. And may your name be hallowed. That's huge. And it comes right after Abba. Hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. We pray, Lord, break into the world with your kingdom. Set the world right. Bring your hope, your goodness. We ask you to do it and we can ask because God responds to our prayers. Break in. Break in perhaps through divine action and maybe even through the divine action of using us. Give us each day your daily bread. Bread in the Gospels is often used to describe teaching or message by Jesus. So it can mean this spiritual idea of give us the teaching, the words, what we need, and it can also mean bread. I love this prayer because there's this duality of spiritual and physical happening all the way through it. We can pray for our spiritual and our physical needs and ask God to provide. The prayer says, forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone indebted to us. 
Don't bring us to the time of trial. Whenever I lead the Lord's Prayer in a congregation, it can be a challenge because you have to have that awkward thing at the beginning where you say, okay, this time we're going to say debts or trespasses. Because if you don't do that, then everybody says the other word and they feel awkward and they feel uh, insecure and they don't know what's the right way to pray. I love that Luke just says, we're going to do both. (laughs) Forgive our sins as we forgive those indebted to us. Forgive us of our spiritual infractions our physical ones too, our failures and our greed, our elevation of self over others. And in the same way, we will forgive those who are indebted to us, those who have wronged us, and those who are actually indebted to us physically forgive. I love this part of the prayer because it involves this action component that we will actively be doing something in our lives. We ask for forgiveness all while we are forgiving. This is prayer with action. And Jesus says we should ask uh, the Father to keep us away from trials or testing. Now that phrase doesn't have any sense of God trapping us or something like that. No, it's a request to find ourselves not in the times of deep challenge, overwhelm, even though we know challenge will come. And another thing I love about this prayer is that the language is always plural. It's corporate, it's us, it's we, it's our. It's a communal prayer. It's something we pray together with those throughout history who have prayed it before and we pray together in our community that we together might approach God and together become more like Jesus. That this is the way we will walk together in collaborative prayer and collaborative action. We pray together to remind ourselves of God who is holy and good, a loving parent, a forgiver, a sustainer, an enabler and expector of forgiveness and justice in the world and through us. I think about my own disordered image of God that I had as a child when I prayed afraid prayers and I see how this prayer blows that up. See, Jesus' model prayer helps us stay on track with our pursuit of God. A few weeks ago, Emily, our praise band director, started asking questions about this little room right through these doors. You maybe have never noticed it before. It says chapel on it, but inside it was full with instruments and storage. And she wanted to move stuff around and organize and clean things out. And unbeknownst to her, Some others in our congregation were asking some questions about intentional prayer for, in our services, after our services, places where we could pray. So, as we move towards Easter, that little chapel is about to become a prayer room, a place for prayer that we can use before, after, whenever we need to pray. I would encourage you to check it out. Emily and Allie cleaned it out this week. It looks amazing. Next is paint and some more cleaning and some furniture. We're getting there. It will be a place where we together can practice prayer. Together, we will walk in this commitment to practice prayer, to pray for each other and with each other. As I think about my own history, and I did that exercise of closing my eyes and thinking about prayer myself, I thought about how sometimes I have a challenge praying. I don't always know what to say or how to say it, especially when things are dark and challenging, when my prayers feel trivial. 
Well, I felt challenged twice this week. Ways that have helped me as I think about prayer. Uh, And the first came from my wife, Brittany. She loves to be put on the spot, so sorry about that. Brittany is an activist by nature. It's one of the ways she connects to God. I learned so much about God's work in the world through her. Her activism helps me remember that being a Christian doesn't just mean we pray and don't do anything, but that we also get to work in the world. And Brittany for Lent has chosen a daily practice where in her time of prayer and reflection, she's also using this app to call her elected representatives every day to express her concern for innocent deaths and violence that continue to mount in Gaza. Her daily prayer involves taking this app and looking at her representatives and leaving a message, or sometimes you get a person. She expresses in her prayer also an action. May your kingdom come. The other thing that stretched me this week was a story I heard from another pastor. He was leading his congregation in congregational prayer like we did earlier, where we pray for our requests. And as he was beginning that prayer, he received a prayer request from his daughter, about the same age as my oldest daughter. It was a prayer request for her hermit crab. Her hermit crab was sick. I'm not sure how you can tell if a hermit crab is sick. I had a hermit crab. I know when it was dead. I don't know how. She got this prayer, he got this prayer request for his daughter's hermit crab. And he looked at it. He thought, how do we pray for a hermit crab? As he looked out into the congregation, he saw his community of faith. There was Roy, a man whose wife had just been diagnosed with terminal cancer. There was Julie, a survivor of abuse. There was Chris, a mother who had lost a child. How could he ask these people to pray for a hermit crab? How could we ask God to heal a hermit crab when so many unanswered prayers filled the congregation? Tentatively, he did what he knew he was supposed to do, what he had agreed to do as their pastor, and he read the prayer request aloud. And here's what he writes. You know what got me starting to pray? The heads. There was Roy's head, and Chris's head, and Julie's head, all of them bowed to pray. Rows and rows of people bowed their heads, waiting expectedly to pray for a crab. Because they loved this little girl that much, that she felt comfortable enough to share the concerns of her heart. And even in the midst of their own unanswered prayers, they were big enough and small enough to pray with their young friend. I am a man who became a child again. And I tell you, I will now pray for anything. As we practice prayer, do we not become like Jesus? Do we become like the good parent who loves? Do we not trace these dotted lines of prayers that we are given even if we can't feel like we can path out a single letter. The practice of prayer opens us to the way of Jesus. May we be a people who love like that congregation. You already are.
May we pray with childlike hope. May we continue to go before our Lord. Questions in hand, frustrations in hand, experiences, yeah, they're real, but may we go and make the path. And may we ourselves become like children again. Not children of an angry God, but children who know they are loved. I want to share with you some resources this week. Because I want to challenge you every day to pray the Lord's Prayer. Every day, take this prayer and pray it. Put an alarm in your phone. Set a weekly reminder. Pray every day the Lord's Prayer. Find a space for it and do it. And then I want to give you some other resources for some pre-written prayer that may be helpful. The first is commonprayer.net. You can also get the book Common Prayer, A Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals by Shane Claiborne. It has daily prayers in it that are so beautiful and good. But on that website is the daily prayer for it. And so you can access that every day. Um, there's also um, a collection of prayers. I'll, I'll bring them downstairs called Every Moment Holy. They're for things as big as the loss of a loved one and as small as cooking dinner. Prayers we can pray through our lives. If you want to turn your smartphone into something that is not about scrolling to death but giving you some life, uh, the account Black Liturgies on Instagram has fantastic prayers you can use. And Lectio 365 is an app that I use that has daily prayers that are um, audio versions and written. You can get those there. They are fantastic. And we have Lenten devotionals. Every Monday and Friday, a new one comes on Monday. You get those in our church email. I would encourage you to pray those as well. Now, as we close our service and before we sing, I'll ask that we pray the Lord's Prayer together. And I've modified it a bit to kind of reflect Luke's language of using the two different debts and trespasses and all of that. You'll see. It's on the screen. It'll keep you on your toes. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or looking for ways to support God's work through our church, visit bcwc.org.